I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. In John 16, 12, Jesus stated, there is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Well, today I am excited to have Pastor Bill White with me as we have a conversation around Hebrews 11 and what the Lord is teaching him. Bill has served as the senior pastor of Christ Journey Church in Miami, Florida for over 25 years, and he is passionate about giving people the tools that they need to help them grow in their journey with Christ and fully understand God's plan for their lives. He's the author of the book, Mature-ish, which outlines the spiritual growth journey for believers and gives practical tools for taking some next steps or mentoring others as they take their next steps. And I'm really excited to talk to you about your book, Bill, but let's dive in a little bit to the scripture first. How about that? That sounds great, Jody. Thank you so much. Glad you're here. Well, I do want to give us just a real quick reminder of the passage we're in, and I shared some more context in the meditation portion of our podcast, so I'm not going to do that here, but this is the last of our Moses series, and I love this passage because it looks back on the legacy that Moses leaves through his faithful actions and how he walked with the Lord. So we are in Hebrews 11, 24 through 27. I'll read that for us real quick as a reminder. It says this, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. All right, Bill. So we did this scripture meditation, asking the Lord to just draw us in and show us something specific in the passage. So tell me, where did you go when you did this? Um, the The first thought that came to mind, this is such a powerful passage. This is so wonderful. And it always grabs my heart. Mm. Uh, but the uh, the first thing that came to mind is how dynamic authentic faith is. It's not just a static thing that you decide once. It begins at a point in time, but then it reengages, it deepens, it expands, it's dynamic. It's not static. Mm, that's so good. And Moses definitely is an example of that because we see him go through all of these different stages in his journey of following Jesus from or following God, which mm. as as Hebrews looks back, he says it's for the sake of Christ. So, right. but he follows all of these different stages, um, resisting to just following with fervor and to doubting and all of the things, which is so helpful, I think, for me, because I see myself in that a little more. I can relate to him. Um, so tell me where you kind of kept going with the Lord in this passage. 
well, like you just said, through the the uh, the challenges of adversity, or through his discovering his true identity, you know that he chose the identity God was giving him with mm-hmm. his own people rather than the way he was raised in the the system of the world of the day, and then even overcoming shame. You know, there's such, this is such an identity crisis for so many of us, and there's a voice of shame that speaks into my soul from the dungeon. Yeah. And, uh, this that that it was by faith that he embraced God's grace greater than the shame, and um, and then the outcome was this is so ironic and paradoxical, but so powerful. He saw him who was invisible. How do you see the invisible? Yeah, it's good. Uh, it's not just wishful thinking. I believe God gave him a dispensation of soul reality that said, "I can see God." even though he's invisible. I don't, I don't know how you say that, but that's it was a growth development. Okay, so that reminds me of the beginning of this chapter in Hebrews 11, which is now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of we, what we do not see. And what is faith? It's not knowing exactly, but it's just clinging to the hope that we have. And like you just said, I think, God gave him that grace. That's a really beautiful way to say it. And then he's above sea level. No, he he's challenged to live above sea level. You know what we now at Miami, you know, my house is eight feet above sea level. <laughs> so that, that matters down here because they say the water's rising and all that. But um, but by faith, he sees into what can't be seen. And um, the reality of God's presence revealed to us by his grace, uh, when we choose to step into the faith opportunity he gives us, then we start seeing more that's already there, but you don't see it with the just the human eye. Yeah, that's really good. The faith at above sea level, S-E-A or S-E-E, both. <laughs> yeah, both. Yeah. Both. Tell me how this became personal for you. Mm. In, in so many ways, the challenges of obedience to God's call can be met with resistance of circumstance. So faith becomes so important there. It can be met with the, the, uh, the own internal doubts. He says that, uh, disgrace that, that was coming his way or, um, mistreatment that came from the outside or the, uh, the resisting of temptation that, that, hey, I want to have some fun and, and yet he he discovers the fleeting pleasures of sin aren't aren't worth the cost when compared to the value of God's reward. So those things are all real to me, um, and these truths serve me mm. when I'm facing challenge. When I feel like I'm um, circumstances are not favorable. When temptation is rising inside, and I want to say, "Well, I deserve some break," you know, and the voice of the tempter is uh, twisting. Uh, good desire into bad opportunity, you know? So that's, these are regular for me. I don't, uh, I think that's just, this is, this is real life and you got to confront it with real faith that still deals with uh, sometimes doubt. I don't think, uh, I think you just said it, that Moses didn't come into this thing with a perfectly developed faith. It, it developed as he grew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. I resonate a lot with 
the fact that we just we never really arrive <laughs> and the and the same temptations seem to creep up on us um and even your wording that it, it's coming up from the dungeon <laughs> that's such a great way to say it it's just i feel like the enemy does have our number in a lot of ways knows what mm the lies are that we're going to pay attention to and knows what those things are that we might be uh, bent toward indulging in. And it does take a lot of um, being a student of ourselves, being a student of God's word so that we can resist those temptations. And Moses is a really great example of that. And I, I love that you highlighted that rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin, because that is exactly, it's fleeting. And that's the, you know, real, mm, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, there's pleasure in it, uh, or we would never do it, right? But it's just this momentary, and it just leaves all this destruction in its wake. That He also said um, that he he was looking forward to his reward. He didn't have it yet, but I think, was he ever haunted by saying, but look at everything I left. Yeah. You know, I was the Pharaoh in the Pharaoh's palace. Mm -hmm. I had everything that most people wanted in Egypt. He had it and it wasn't enough. That's right. And so he, that somehow he knew his truest identity wasn't going to be being owned by the culture, by the stuff, by the internal misleading misdirection of temptation, but that, um, that kind of laser focus on what matters most was pulling him forward. And once again, Mm -hmm. it was by faith. Yeah. And what a grace that is that he received that faith. And I think that's where we have to lean into that as well. You know, even when you said that, I thought, you know, Pharaoh is really the most powerful man probably on earth at his time. Wealth, everything is at his disposal. And, and Moses is treated as a prince in that kingdom. So if there was ever a test case of having it all handed to you basically on a silver yeah. platter and saying, you know what, it's not worth it. Um, he's because he, when he walks away, there's 40 years of wander there, that desert season. Mm. I mean, we can't imagine it was all right. bad, right? He gets married. He has children. There is some sort of life and community for him there, but he does walk away from a lot for the sake of mm. Christ. It is because he's looking ahead to his reward. It is because he knows there is more. But, you know, sometimes um, the other thing that plays out here is fear. It says he's not fearing the king's anger. Well, I know, and I don't like to admit this, but fear is such a motivator that haunts me. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to miss out, mm. you know. Or today, some young adults will say YOLO, you know, you only live once, so don't miss it. Yeah. And, and I wonder if he was what Moses somehow had the, was captured into saying, I already had that and I know what's not there. I don't want to miss what God has for me. And then that empowered him not to be intimidated by the, the king's anger. He responded to his fear by a faith that was not fully seen yet. Mm. That's just a mystery. I don't understand that. Mm. It's grateful that it's real. Yes. That, that makes me think about to the different stages that Moses was on in his journey. 
And the fact, you know, I think one of the beautiful parts of this passage and, and actually all of Hebrews 11 is that it's giving us these little glimpses back of the faith of the matriarchs and patriarchs mm-hmm. of our faith to encourage us that it is worth leaving a spiritual legacy. Amen. And so I would love to, and that's one of the reasons why I was so excited to have you come talk about this passage because your whole book, Maturish, is about journeying in faith. And I think it's about leaving a spiritual legacy. I don't think you exactly use those terms, but at some point in the, you know, grandparent stage of faith, which I'm going to let you talk about, <laughs> uh, we leave a legacy and we need to make that choice. So tell me a little bit more about your book and how it does encourage us on our faith journey. Um, well, thank you very much. And I think that it's very astute of you to see that legacy is really what's the opportunity before us here. And especially it, I guess that's why um, God gave me a sensitivity to capturing it in this way and saying it in this way, because that's where I am in my journey. It becomes very significant now um, to me to be able to, to leave a toolkit that others could use and experience the grace and growth that God has for them. And, um, and then in the middle of this whole COVID hibernation that we've been in, it was like, man, we don't get to connect the way we used to. We're not gathering the way we used to. Um, and this was kind of like a gift that I wanted to share with my congregation saying, just because we're not able to gather doesn't mean we can't grow mm. and we're going to stay connected and, and stay connected in the scripture, stay connected in the faith, stay connected view uh, through this amazing technology that we've been given. Um, but the most important connection is the connection to God from within mm-hmm. that allows us through Christ to keep growing into the full you that you are meant to be. And so that's basically the uh, the background of the book is, you know, throughout the New Testament, you'll find um, images or metaphors used like um, you're born again, a newborn Christian, or you're a baby Christian, mm-hmm. or you're a toddler, you're, you're learning how to walk, learning how to talk. Um, John at one point says the young men have are overcoming the evil one. So there's a level of warrior that comes in the period of adolescence. So just as we grow physically through ages and stages of life, I started looking for those parallels in the spiritual journey from uh, newborn to infant, toddler, child, then preteen, adolescent, and at each stage. Uh, went to the scripture to find out what would be the key takeaway and growth step in that. And then from there into the adult years, what does spiritual maturity look like when you're an adult, a parent, a grandparent? And then this word is not in scripture, godparent, but uh, I imagine there this missionary heart that wherever you go, whatever you do, people can God can use your life as a hub to help others connect with him. Just like Paul said, we seek to win as many as possible by the most effective means possible, you know, wherever we go. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so that's the thinking behind it. Yeah. Well, I, I love that. And I think something else that's really important that you've done in this book is that you didn't necessarily step, set up 
things to do, so to speak. Um, yeah. And I really was grateful to see that because I think we can really venture into legalism so quickly because, okay, here's my checklist and right. I'm ready to move to the adult phase of maturity. So I'm going to do these three things now. Yeah. And you, you shy away from that. So tell me why that was important for you. No, I did that on purpose. And I talked with my, with the editor and the publisher about let's not let this become a behavioral modification track for self, uh, for performance self-righteousness. Oh, that's good. And we polish our halo and say, well, I'm at the next level. Why aren't you? You know, and, <laughs> oh, that's not, it's true spiritual growth is full of humility because God is doing it, but you're leaning into it and mm. co-laboring, collaborating with the work of God's spirit. So I was very careful to avoid that sort of artificial self-righteousness checklist. Mm -hmm. But you are going to have some sort of assessment. So yeah. tell me about that. Well, yeah, there are there are practical, actionable um, challenges that Jesus gave his disciples, that Paul writes for Christ followers to join him in, that, that pull us out of ourselves and that we die to self and step into, by faith, this new reality that we haven't experienced mm -hmm. yet. And then what happens is uh, our eyes are opened wider. You know, the scales fell off of Paul's eyes, kind of a metaphor to what happens to us. We're moving out of our blindness into a larger space. And the the miracle of it is uh, what Paul writes about in his letter to the Ephesians. Like three times he mentions this phrase, that you might be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. Mm -hmm. Say, whoa, wait, what? What is that? You know, that Jesus didn't, didn't just die so my sins could be forgiven and I could go to heaven someday and be with him, but that his life comes alive in my life. And then as I grow, he grows in me. My capacity to experience and house the living God grows in me to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. Okay, now that's what I don't want to miss. Yeah. If I only live once and he has wired me by his image, you are made in the image of God, a daughter of God in his image, so you can house God and he can express himself in you so that as a precursor to your eternal experience, so likewise. That's what I, I wanted to access for people. It doesn't matter if we're shut down by the government, by a disease, by a threat, that your capacity can keep increasing in the fullness of your eternal life. And that's what we need to access. Mm -hmm. How do we do that? By faith, we do take steps. So give us some examples. What are some steps? Uh, you know, choose one of the stages of maturity that you've identified and give me a few examples of what it would look like in that phase. Well, you know, one of the most surprising things that we discovered in the assessment uh, we worked with gray uh, gray matter research about um, setting up surveys of believers across the nation, and uh, Ron Sellers, such a, uh, a a stellar mind and a full heart for God that wants to see the kingdom grow across the nation around the world, and he's very thorough and very diligent about seeking to get the most accurate information from self-awareness, self-assessment. That's an awful lot, but that's mm -hmm. that's what went into that. And that self-assessment uh, survey that went out 
came back with results that Christians across America self-assess in their journey at the stage of toddler. Wow. Majority stage of toddler. And what does that mean? Well, it means that when you're a spiritual toddler, you're learning how to talk to God. You're learning how to walk with God. You're learning how to grow in community with others. And you're exploring your space, but you're still pretty much all about yourself. And I thought that was very telling that evangelical believers across the nation are saying, this is pretty much where I am. Now, they didn't call themselves toddlers. They just represented in the survey that this was the evidence, the fruit of their life. And then that showed up in the uh, the assessment that we developed at that stage, because at a toddler stage, you're learning how to talk, learning how to walk, right. learning how to get along with others, That's right. learning how to step outside yourself. And, um, and so how do we do that? Well, we also discovered that the majority of those believers say, I pray mostly when I have a want. Mm-hmm. And so, or a need, like, God, why are you doing this? Help me out of this. And, and so um, developing a daily time of conversation with God regularly is a way to exercise your faith and enter into that next level praying, not just ask for what I want, though Jesus told us that is a prayer. Ask. Paul said, whatever, uh, ask. Um, but James says, but if you only ask to consume it on your own desires, then God's going to take you to another place. <laughs> yeah. And so that's one of the examples. Uh, another one is learning how to talk. Well, we do that through his word. God teaches us our words through understanding his words. And, um, and so that just having daily time, regular time, like you do such a good job of the of guiding people into a reflective inductive enter the story ask the holy spirit to be your interpreter take time it's a perfect example of how to to take to practice a catalytic faith that can take you out of just a cursory bible reading and into the experience of god in the story mm-hmm. so those are some examples yeah a couple of things come to mind is it's totally appropriate for a toddler to be a toddler when for a season, Absolutely. right? What's what's not appropriate is for my 25-year-old daughter to still act like a toddler, yeah. to get stunted in that growth space. Um, so that was the first thing I was thinking about. And then the second thing I was thinking is, yeah, when one of the things I'm so passionate about is helping people create space for God in their lives for the exact reasons that you just said is, I want you to experience the living and active word of God in your life. I want you to see that it is alive and the spirit indwelling in you will collide with the living word of God. And he has something for us and it's always changing and always new. I bet you have read that passage out of Hebrews a hundred times because you have been a pastor for so long and you've studied the Bible for uh, so many years of your life. And yet when you meditated on it today, God wanted to show you something in it today. It's fresh. It's fresh bread. That's right. It's for today. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's really, that's really good. I am sad, I think, to hear that most people 
identify as toddlers uh, in their spiritual maturity and their walk with the Lord, because there is so much more right. available to them. Like you were saying, the fullness for us to have to be filled to the fullness. What does that look like? I <laughs> always go back to Jesus's words where, when he says, I've come to give you life and give it abundantly. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I want that life. Right. And that's, and when he's not talking about being the prince of Egypt and having right. life given to you on a silver platter, he's talking about something so much deeper and richer and fuller. I don't want to miss out on that. I don't want to get to heaven and look back and be like, oh, really? I could have done all that. I could have lived that life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, a, yeah. I'm a, a, uh, I'm an abuelo in Miami, abuelo. You know, I'm, I'm a grandpa. And, um, my youngest grandson, I have two brilliant grandsons. <laughs> One is eight years old. The other's three and a half. He is it. a ferocious toddler. Um, and, uh, but, and I love him. He's more than a handful, but I look at him and think, um, and I, there's so much more to his life coming. Yeah. And, um, and of course, we're hoping that he'll survive toddlerhood <laughs> because right. he's a risk-taking danger to himself. Oh. Um, but uh, at every age and stage of life, anybody beyond being a toddler knows there's so much more than being a toddler. That's right. When you're a toddler, you think this is all there is. And so um, what my hope in the book, and I think, well, to speak about spiritual toddlerhood or, across America, I'm thinking the... Uh, the quarantine at hand has pulled us out of fellowship and we got out of the habit and we got out of many other habits and we got into other habits yeah. that start filling the space instead of like you said, let's make space for God. Well, what have we done? Well, we've filled oh, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've, we've filled it with other habits. That's right. And, um, and so in one way, though it was alarming to me to see those results, it also, I guess, shouldn't be surprising that we're not feeding ourselves. That's like young toddlers, they depend on somebody else to feed them mm -hmm. and somebody else to dress them and somebody else. And um, and so I, I hope that's a heads up for all of us, for spiritual leaders and for young believers to say, I don't have to stay here. I'm not stuck here. There's more than simply this. And there's a lot more than simply trying to be materialistic, materialism successful. Yeah, yeah. Well, so Bill, you obviously have your uh, finger on the pulse, even as a pastor and getting to minister to a large group of people in Miami. What do you recommend as a next step uh, for people? I mean, you gave some, you know, learning yeah. how to pray and, um, you know, not just about our wants and, and spending time reading God's word. So how do you give us a next step? What What would you recommend somebody? Well, you the 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 book is full of tools that answer that specifically but the one that's a standout to me that would set it apart from other like self-help books in secular circles you know because this this would be qualified uh somebody said oh this is spiritual self-help well mm -hmm. I suppose it is but it's not in the way that you would think it's not if it is to be it is up to me no no right. no <laughs> this is connect with god's resources so that he grows you internally beyond yourself. Um, but the, 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 the set apart piece of it is the community. 
Mm. The connection to others that you can't truly be a baby without others. You can't grow to know how to dress yourself without others, to feed yourself without others, uh, to be a warrior in the spirit and an adolescent and overcome temptation without others showing you how to use your weapons. Um, And then especially what I call being a spiritual adult is being responsible for your own spiritual health and wellness by faith in response and obedience to God. But then you can't, if you're truly mature, then Jesus is not going to let you be satisfied knowing how it's done. He wants you now showing somebody else. Mm-hmm. So follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So now we step into that upper register of uh, maturity, which it's all about mentoring. Yeah. And you can only go so far in a crowd, in worship gathering, in a group. But when you want to step into the higher levels of maturity and productivity, I've found in my life that it takes another one that I can be safe with to enter into confidential counsel and coaching that they can feel uh, profoundly free to speak into my life and say, Hey, Bill, that, that voice is coming from somewhere else. (laughs) You know, you may want to trust it because it sounds like you and, and you're a pretty smart guy. But that's uh, that's not you speaking there. Yeah. And yet somebody in my life, and then that I would be that to somebody else, just like you're seeking to be a mentor, a model, a mentor mm-hmm. to others so that they will then take the responsibility to enter the field of play uh, and engage the enemy yeah. for their own. I am really grateful that you highlighted that because I think you're Absolutely right. And I think every single one of us needs to be in a place where we have cultivated that depth of friendship with someone and that we will listen to them, to their wise, godly counsel when they say, oh, hey, (laughs) I think you need to give that a little more thought and prayer. It's that togetherness. It's that um, companionship. But it's more than that. It's it's, uh, allowing somebody access into your soul journey. And then paying attention, mm-hmm. you know, um, and when they call out your pride, say, ah, I hate it when you say that, but you're right. <laughs> right. Well, they're they're trustworthy and and they've earned that space. I think one other thing I want to say, could I just briefly, it can be daunting that you you sit down with this book or you engage the con uh, the concept and you say, well, toddler, that's an insult. You know, I'm. 45 or I'm 38 or I'm I'm a grown up. I'm 62 and I'm still stuck in a toddler stage. Yeah, I want to say don't be insulted by that. Because growing in the spirit is not a matter of age. It really is a matter of honesty like you said. It's a matter of saying, well if being self-aware and then saying to God, take me where you want me to be at the pace you want to set and I'll go with you. And that growth can happen rapidly from those earliest stages into the adolescent warrior. Um, It's not a matter of months and years. It could be a matter of weeks if our obedience is in alignment. And where I get that is from Jesus himself. He said, with the measure that has been measured to you, what you use will be measured back. So that Mm -hmm. means you're not being held captive 
It's like Mark 4, 24, somewhere around in there. But you can set your own pace of growth by saying, Lord, I don't want to miss anything. I want to go with you forward. And um, and so uh, and then take another assessment and just watch that chart. Watch that growth. I love it. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes to your book. And if the assessment is ready, there'll be a link there. And if not, uh, a link to your website, and I'm sure they'll find it there when it is ready. So Bill, this has been such a delight. I have loved talking to you as my brother from Miami to hear what you are doing and just how you are helping believers grow in the faith. So thank you so much. Thank you, Jody. And all the best to you, your ministry. May God multiply it to a great harvest. Thank you, Bill. Well, friends, I also want to thank you for joining Bill and I today on So Much More, because we really do believe Jesus has so much more to say to us, and we are creating space to listen. This is Chris Christensen, and back in 2006, I started a simple project a project to try and introduce more people to the Bible through Bible study called the Bible Study Podcast. It's a simple name and a simple idea. Each week, every week, we study one chapter of the Bible, talk about what it says and what that might mean for us today. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for the Bible Study Podcast on your favorite podcast app.